Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis? We're moving to the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. And this is an interesting chapter. It's a chapter that is uh, reminding us of this great patriarch, great man of God, man of faith, has now died. Abraham. So we want to look at his death, and I've titled my message today, Dying in Style. He not only lived a life that was worthy for the cause of God, but also his dying was worthy of the cause of God. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me as we begin looking at the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis in reverence of reading his word. Notice what he says in verse 25. And Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Joxon, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuah. Go on down to verse 5. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Then in verse 6. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man, full of years, and was gathered to his people. We'll we'll stop there. Father, we thank you so much for the life of Abraham. We thank you, Father, for the way that you used him. To remind us of how we can have faith in you. And to exercise that faith. And to demonstrate that faith. And Father, we pray that today. That your Holy Spirit would remind us of his power and his presence. Asking you, dear Lord, to fill us with his spirit. Anoint us with his power. And Father, may Christ be glorified and honored in what will we be said and done here in this hour. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Abraham, for over a hundred years now, we're finding that he has lived for God. And there over a hundred years... He now comes to a point and a place in his life where he's about to die. We find him dying. You know, when I think about dying, there's two things that comes to my mind immediately about dying. Number one, that we must first of all need to plan on dying. The Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die. And then comes his judgment. So, my friend, I've got news for you. Every single one of us 
are going to die sometime or another. But I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that moment of when you possibly will come to that moment of death. But not only we're to plan to die, but we're to prepare for dying. Now, I am so grateful and thankful to know as we come together today as children of the Lord that Jesus Christ came into this world for a purpose and that was to conquer death. And that a child of God who knows the Lord Jesus Christ and that has the presence of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in him and has the word of God is reminded that death is not our enemy, but that we have been conquerors and more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ over death. And so therefore, I'm grateful that I don't have to fear death. I don't have to dread death. And that to know that Christ has given me the confidence that through his death and through his resurrection, we have life and life eternal. And my friend, I tell you what, if that doesn't put an amen in your heart, in your soul, there's something wrong with you. Because I want you to know that is a key ingredient to our Christian life is that God has given us the victory over death. Now, if you want to die right, you need to live right. I uh, have said many times that uh, a preacher will not preach your funeral. You preach your own funeral. And you demonstrate that by the life that you live and by the way that you demonstrated your priorities of that life. And so, therefore, we're reminded here as uh, uh, that here was a man that came and he experienced death. Now, I'm reminded what John Wesley says. John Wesley says, our people die well. And I think that is so right. That our people die well. That the children of God die well. I'm amazed of the number of times that I have gone into a hospital room or that I have gone by a bedside in a home or something of where there is a saint of God that is going and preparing to go through that valley of the shadow of death. And to look at that saint and to see joy in his heart. And to see peace that is upon their life. And to know that there's a smile that is upon their face. And it's all because of the victory that God has given to them over that thing called death. So our people do die well. And I'm grateful for that. What I want to do for a few moments, I want to take... Abraham's life and his death especially. And I want us to look at this for a few moments. Abraham died well. Here was a man that who lived a life that was obedient toward God most of his years of his life. But most importantly, when it came to that moment of death, he died well. 
Three things I want to share with you this morning. You might want to follow with me uh, with the bulletin of the outline that we have there today. First of all, I want you to notice the fruitfulness that he was experiencing. Oh, the fruitfulness that Abraham was experiencing. Now, you'll notice there in verses 1 and 2, it says, Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, Joxan, Midian, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Now, there's two things that reminds us that was occurring in the life of Abraham. Number one, he's becoming a husband again. But not only a husband again, but he's also becoming a father again. He's probably about 125 years old, as this scripture is being reminding us of that. Instead of hearing the rocking chair squeak, here he is walking down the road with a uh, stroller of a baby carriage. It's amazing. Instead of leaning back and enjoying his golden years, he's surrounded by preschoolers. When it was time for him to be, probably be admitted into a nursing home, he was looking for a kindergarten. It's amazing as you began to look at his life. Instead of wheelchairs, there's baby carriages. And so, Sarah has been dead about 20 years now. And uh, he finds this young lady by the name of Ketruah. Now, that's an interesting name because it literally means incense. In other words, by her name, she was a woman that added fragrance to his life. There in the closing moments of his life, John Phillips said something very interesting about this woman. Listen what he said. He said that she was the Old Testament Mary whose box of ointment, when broken and outpoured, filled her home with perfume. In other words, she no doubt brought a lovely fragrance in the life of Abraham. In the last years of his life, he found another lady after his dear wife Sarah had been passed away for more than 20 years. And there was a fragrance in his life. There was a, 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 a beat in his step, as you might would say. Someone has said optimism is as a 90-year-old man marrying a 20-year-old woman and buying a house next to an elementary school. <laughs> That's real optimism. Well, here... He's well over a hundred years of age. And he marries Ketrua. And she bears him six children. Now, can you imagine? A hundred and twenty-five years plus, and he's having children. So we see a larger fruitfulness in his life. Abraham was 85 years old when he had his first child, Ishmael. He was about 100 years old when Isaac came along. And uh, he was pushing it 
with Ishmael at 85, and it was a only a miracle of God when he had the child of Isaac. And now you find him having even more children. Romans 4.19 tells us that his own body had already dead, was dead. In other words, he was really beyond the years of being a father. But my friend, I'm not here to tell you, when God wants to do something, he can do it right, can he not? And that's exactly what he did here. Over a hundred years, and he's having children left and right. More than six children. And the Bible goes on to share with us that he had seven grandsons and three great-grandsons in those latter years of his life. You know what that tells me? That tells me that his most fruitful days was in the latter years of his life. A lot of times people think that when I get 60, 65 years old, I, I, it's a time of retirement and I just sit back and rest on my laurels. Well, my friend, as you began to look in the life of Abraham, he was just getting started. Here was a man that was fruitful. And the latter years of his life became even more fruitful than in the earlier years of his life. I'm reminded of uh, the most fruitful uh, passage of Scripture it talks about there in John chapter 15, verse 16, talks about the fruit that we're to bear. Listen to this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. In other words, the Bible tells us that we're never to cease from bearing fruit. I think it's amazing you go back into that passage of Scripture and it talks about bearing fruit. Listen to this. In verse 16 of that passage of Scripture, it talks about bearing fruit. And then in verse 2, it talked about more fruit. And then in verse 8, it talked about much fruit. And I think about the different levels of bearing fruit. In other words, when we first become a Christian, the Bible talks about that we're to bear fruit. And then as you grow and you begin to mature, the Bible says that you're to bear more fruit. And then, as I believe, as you get older and to a point of a time of the latter years of your life, the Bible says you're to bear much fruit. So, friend, I want you to understand that as our life before the Lord, He wants to demonstrate of exercising His power in our life that we might bear fruit. And so as I began to look in the life of Abraham, his life was a life of fruitfulness. And oh, how he was able to bear fruit. John chapter 15 verse 8 says, Herein my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. 
And therefore, friend, we are to exercise that tremendous commandment in our life. And we should not allow age to hinder that from happening. I'm reminded of Benjamin Franklin. Think about Benjamin Franklin for a moment. Two years of formal education. But at 25, he founded the first library in America. At 31, he started the first fire department. At 36, he invented the lightning rod. At age 40, he was learning how to harness electricity. At the age of 45, he founded one of the Ivy League universities. At the age of 79, he invented bifocals. And then, of course, at the age of 84, he could speak and write five different languages affluently. My friend, he did not allow age to stop him. And what I'm trying to say to you and I today, that the older we get, the more fruit we should be bearing. And to demonstrate what God has done in our life and through our life. And that's exactly what Abraham had done here. He was bearing fruit. But we see lasting fruit. Do you realize that Abraham's descendants still are affecting the world today? I mean, you stop and you think about Abraham's fruit touches you and me. We think about how how Isaac was that chosen seed. And from that chosen seed came the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that through the Lord Jesus Christ has literally changed and transformed our lives. So as we, we see that and we trace it all the way back to Abraham's life. I think of a man by the name of D.L. Moody. A simple man, limited in education, but all how God used this man. And all how God exercised his power in and through his life. Someone said to D.L. Moody that we should write... Your biography. He said this. A man's life should never be written while he is living. What is important is how a man ends and not how he begins. And that is so true. And I think about what is written on his tombstone even today. A man more than a hundred years ago. Says in February the 5th. 1837, December the 22nd, 1899. And these are the words that is inscribed upon that tombstone. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Even today, we are reaping the benefits of such a man as D.L. Moody. May God help us and give us that energy and that desire of wanting to be fruitful in our life and experiencing it. And the older we get, the more the fruit should be exposed in our life.
But there's a second thing that I want to remind you of here. Not only the fruitfulness that he was experiencing, but the faithfulness that he was exemplifying. You go back to verses 5 and 6, and it says that Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Now remember, Isaac was the chosen seed. Remember, it was that through Isaac was the one that the Messiah was going to come through. But oh, the Bible says, but Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. In other words, what Abraham was doing, he was settling his estate among his children. We see the disposal as well as the dispersal of his family. But he was primarily reminding his family that Isaac was the chosen seed. Now, why did he do that? Because he was faithful to the word of God. We go back to the scriptures in Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 and 19, and listen to what it says. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God says, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And then in Genesis chapter 21, verse 12 says, But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. In the distribution of his wealth, giving it all to Isaac. What he was doing was he was being faithful to the word of God. Friend, I'm here to remind you that one of the greatest, greatest fruits and one of the greatest statements of a man or a woman is his beliefs and convictions upon the Word of God. When I die, I want to leave this old world and I want this old world to say, he believed that book. And not only did he believe that book, but he preached that book. And not only did he preach that book, but that he lived that book. That is my heart's desire, that when I die, that people will always will remember uh, that my firm conviction upon the Word of God. And friend, I believe that's what you want as well. I have in my... um, study at home, a poem. And it's about the Bible. And I've put it up on the screen for you to read it. And I think it says it all. Though the cover is worn and the pages is torn, and those places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book. Worn and old, that can shatter and scatter our fears, 
This old book is my guide. Tis a friend by my side. It will brighten and lighten many ways. And each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. To this Bible I will cling. Of its worth I will sing. Through great losses and crosses be mine, for I cannot despair, though surrounding by care while possessing this blessing divine. Every time I read that poem, I'm always reminded of that one phrase, to this Bible I will cling to. Thank God for His inerrant, infallible Word of God. Thank God that we can stand on the precious promises of the Word of God. And friend, I want you to understand, whatever may come and whatever may go, my friend, you can always stand upon this Word. I remember when I was a a young preacher boy, just gone into the ministry, there was a a young, uh, I mean, there was a preacher a retired preacher that had moved right next door to me. His name was Reverend Cecil Candler. Great man of God. He became uh, one of my great heroes. I remember the last time I saw him. He walked me to my car door. And he said these words. I wrote them down, and I've never forgotten it. Young man, stay with the book. It's been my battle axe in many a war. My lamp on many a dark path. And a shelter in many a storm. Young man, just stay with the book. I've never forgotten that. And I've, I've, I've tried to cherish that from those days that he shared that with me. He was not only faithful to the Word of God, but my friend, he was faithful to the will of God. Oh, think about it for a moment. Abraham is acknowledging God's will concerning Isaac being the seed of choice. He was faithful to what God's Word said, but he was faithful for what God's will was to be done in his life. George W. Truett, great, great man of God, said, To know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To find the will of God is the greatest discovery. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. When I read that and I thought about that, I thought he left one more thing out. Of that. And that is this to keep his will is the greatest pursuit. To keep his will is the greatest pursuit. A friend of G. Campbell Morgan wrote of him and said The dominant note of his ministry is the will of God. And I believe that the one desire of his heart is to ever live and work within the compass of that brief, comprehensive prayer, Thy will be done. So, friend, I want you to understand 
that the older we get, the more we need to understand the Word of God and the will of God for our life. And to teach it and to demonstrate it in front of those that are following behind us. So, you begin to see Abraham. I'm reminded of a, a great story. A number of years ago, when they were building the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, the chief engineer had drawn up the plans for that bridge. And one day he was out there and he was surveying over the work and he fell from the scaffolds and got, became very, very crippled in his fall. But his dear wife at home, she would pursue of going and giving directions to the men as they were continuing to build that great, great, magnificent bridge. He was not able to go there because he was an invalid at this time. But finally the bridge was built. He wanted to see the bridge. And so they put him on a cot and they took him to that bridge. And there he began to to survey of all the work that had transpired. Those cables, those girders, all that comes by that breaking up this tremendous, beautiful, remarkable bridge. And then he said, done according to plan. Done according to plan. Done according to plan. I I wonder if that's what God would say about our lives. That at the end of the road, could he say it's your life and my life done according to plan? In other words, have my life been faithful in serving him even up until the day that I died? Done according to plan. But there's one last thing I want you to see as you look at this passage of Scripture just for a few moments. And that is the fullness that he was enjoying. Look what the Bible says in verse 7 and 8. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years. Now notice what he says here in this passage of Scripture. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man, full of years, and was gathered to his people. The last words that were spoken. You see the quantity of his life, do you not? Here, in the Bible says in verse Seven, that he lived 175 years. Verse 8 says he died at the good old age. He had been born just two years after Noah had died. He had lived Sarah almost a half a century. God had given him a healthy life, a happy life, and a holy life. When it comes down to the end of the road, what would people say about your life? 
Not only the quantity, but the quality. The Bible says there in verse 8, that in that statement, full of years. In other words, a satisfied life. He does not die as an empty man, but he dies as a full man. He dies fulfilling God's purpose in and through his life. Today. If you were to die today, would there be any regrets? Would there be some sins in your life that you should have confessed? If you want to die and not die a shameful death, we must not die ashamed of our life. And friend, today, It is appointed unto man once to die. That's why we come together today and we celebrate Easter. That's why it's so special today that God has given you and I the victory over that. But I wonder how many here today that if you were to die, you would not know whether you'd go to heaven or hell. That famous questions that we ask many times when we're witnessing to someone. If you were to die today, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? And if you say that you are, what gives you the confidence to know that you would go to heaven? that I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And that He's come into my life. So my friend, what I'm trying to tell you, the older you get, don't quit on God. It is a time more than ever to be faithful in the service of God. Amen. Lord Jesus Thank you for Abraham. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the way that you have reminded us not only the quantity, but the quality of his life, the fruitfulness that he bared. And help us, dear Lord, to be likewise. Father, there may be people here today that needs to come And give their life to you. To have the confidence and the peace that passes all understanding. That death would not hinder them from entering into the kingdom of God. But oh dear Lord. No doubt there's literally numbers of people here today. Reminded that as I became older and older in my life. I have even a greater, greater responsibility for the cause of Christ. Be faithful to His Word. Be faithful to the will of God and to demonstrate it throughout my life. Thank you, dear Lord, for speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Just a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I want to challenge you today. 
If you've never thought about dying, you need to think about that for a moment. As a pastor, I have stood behind caskets about that long in length as well as six feet as in length. I have stood where there were little babies that have died, young people that have died, middle-aged people who have died, older people who have died. So death has no respect of age. And so, friend, today may be the very day that God is saying that you might could die. But do you know for sure that if you were to die that you'd go to heaven? But yet, you say, yes, I do. But how about your life of fulfillment, of fulfilling the purpose of God for your life today? I challenge you today.